All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Alvin from Trying Success on the Old Fashioned Health Network. This is a interview that I have been waiting for for. I've been watching this man on on uh, Instagram and YouTube and and a lot of his uh, speaking engagements and things like that. And I am so happy to have him on my show today. He's lived actually. He grew up in five countries, four continents. He's a motivational speaker. He's a blogger. He's written a book. So he has. Uh, online courses that you could take. So I won't like keep going through all those different things because I'm sure you're used to hearing it all the time. But we have today on our show, Tyo Roxon. How you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Alvin. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. And thank you for saying those kind of things. I really appreciate it. Right. <laughs> yeah, man, you, you, you've done a lot. Uh, it, it, it all, it, when I see that you've lived uh, in, in five countries and four continents, I'm like, you've... you've 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 lived a lot of places. Yeah, you know my uh, my dad was a diplomat, so I have to give him credit for that. He was the one that had the job that took us there. But it was it was a very it was a very interesting learning experience. It certainly shaped my worldview, but also got me into you know what I do today because you know you start to see opportunities maybe where you didn't see them before. Yeah. So you yeah. Know, you know, I want to start one thing. Um, that uh, I, I definitely want people to, to I want to share with people that I thought was so funny. He has, he has a couple of pet peeves, but he also has <laughs> something that he does that I'm just like trying to say, who does that? He likes <laughs> hot sauce on gummy bears. Who does that? Yeah. What, what, what is the, Afri- like? the, the African Superman. That's who does that. The, the African Superman. <laughs> it's like hot sauce on gummy bears. It, it, and you, like, you like hot stuff. You like spicy stuff. Is that what it is? Yeah, no, I do. I yeah. Do you ever have you ever seen the show Hot Ones? No, I have. It's a show on YouTube. Oh uh, uh, yeah, it's a show on YouTube. They bring all these guests on and they they answer questions as they, you know, go through several. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I always they have a website, so I I have like a whole bunch of those hot sauces there because I'm prepping myself for one day when I'm going to be on that show. So you're you really going to do that, huh? Yeah, I, I always compete. I've always competed in hot sauce competitions, and in, in Nigeria, a lot of you know, there's a lot of spicy food, but there are also a lot of spices mm-hmm. in general. So, uh, so I got used to it. When I hear hot sauce and gummy bears, I think about a spoonful of diabetes and a spoonful of also, yeah, type stuff. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend that. You know, for I'm, I'm definitely I've scaled back on all my uh, sweet because uh, you know it, it's a real thing, but. Uh, I'm not recommending it for anyone. I don't even do it as much anymore. But if you want to explore, no, no this, this, this is this is on the old fashioned health network. We don't we don't promote that kind of caring on over here. Uh, uh, yeah, it, I, I'm not even going to tell you it's healthy because I, I yes I, I'm a big fan of healthy living, but uh, occasionally that is a vice of mine. Uh, gummies. And, and <laughs> so. then you're a big sports fan. You really like sports a lot. You like basketball a lot. Yeah, yeah, basketball, what I used to call football, still you call <laughs> football and, and tennis. We, I think you all call it soccer, but yeah, basketball, soccer, tennis. I also like American football too, but my favorite is basketball, and then uh, very close behind that is uh, you know soccer and tennis. Okay, so all right, okay, let's get into it, man. I, I'm so happy to have you on the show once again. Um, so let's talk about first uh, your book that you wrote. And then we're going to get into more. I have 
like a series of questions that I wrote down. I was like, I got to ask him about this. And when I started looking at it, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to have enough time because we could be on here for hours. So, <laughs> but anyway, let's, let's first talk about your book and what this book is about. So the book is called Use Your Difference to Make a Difference. It's about connecting effectively across cultures. And I, I wrote it because one, you, you highlighted my background. I grew up in different parts of the world, but the first decade of my life was spent in and out of three military regimes and two of them were, were dictatorships. And so for me, I've always been fascinated with how you can bring multi-ethnic, multi-religious groups together because Nigeria is multi-ethnic and multi-religious groups, over 400 languages, 250 ethnic groups. And so when I was growing up around the world, I had initially an identity crisis. You know, I remember being this this skinny, I was 10 years old, a skinny Nigerian kid with a thick Nigerian accent in a French-speaking country in American and national school going through puberty, right? And I've been black on four continents. And the way people would react to me, it always varied. And sometimes it wasn't always good. Right. And I, I was really reflecting, you know, in my life experience and my lived experiences. And it occurred to me that a lot of what we do today, the problems we have is because a lot of them are, are because we don't have a good relationship with things that are different. Mm-hmm. things that we perceive as different. So if someone's a different gender or a different relationship or, uh, or a different religion or different language, you know, a lot of us in history have found a way to either eliminate that or find a way to diminish it in some shape or form. And, you know, I, I felt like I've lived through many of these experiences where I could see how I could come up with a framework for that. And, and I was looking at the world and, it, you know, it continues to happen now, you know, whether it's vaccines or not, whether it's COVID, whether, there's always something that someone has there. And so I wanted to write a book where I could give people tools to open the dialogue, but also be self-aware to know how they participate in the, in, in the vision in the world. So that's how the book came about. Yeah. You know, I've tried to order my book. I made an attempt a few times to order the book because I wanted to have read it by the time I, I interviewed you. So I figured I wasn't going to have time to do that. So I started just looking at a lot of your YouTube clips, a lot of your motivational speaking. That's like, oh, so he's going to cover this book and some of this, but I'm still going to go back and get the book. But I think what yeah, I'm, please, <laughs> I'm going to go back and get the book. So you do a lot of teaching and, and, and motivational speaking and stuff, right? Yeah. So I, I, I run a consultant firm, which focuses okay. on diversity, equity, inclusion and uh, equity and belonging. But I, I also um, I'm a professor, so I, I teach at two universities currently. And where, where do you teach at? One in Jersey called Felician University, and then one in the UK called, you know, Imperial College. Okay, okay, and and how's that? How how do you enjoy doing that? I mean, do you enjoy doing it, or is it? I do. It, it was this was all intentional for me. For me, I I identified three areas where I feel like I could make an impact. I said. People spend most of their lives in some workplace mm-hmm. or they go to some education institution and media plays a big role in how they see the world. Right. And so I started with workplace. So okay. it's my consulting practices okay. because whether you, no matter whether you, you know, you could be a fast growing startup, you could be a multinational. I felt like if I could have some sort of impact, I'll be living my purpose. And then with the education institution, I, I just, you know, I saw, I realized if you have a master's, you could be an adjunct professor. And so, I just intentionally looked at schools. The school in Jersey, I'd spoken there. They, they brought me there for my book. I was doing, I was on a book tour. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed that a lot of the students looked like me. Okay. And so 
I wanted them to see someone that looked like me. And so I, I remember chasing down the dean <laughs> and she was looking at me like, you don't even need this job. I was like, it's not about the, I don't, it's not, I, I'm not doing it for, for that, but I, I want people to be able to at least recognize that there is, you know, an avatar for them out there. And with media, I've been podcasting since 2014. Okay. So for, for me, I, it's strategic and intentional. And, you know, so I'm trying to make sure that I'm in those spaces that at least impact human behavior. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, speaking of people treating you different when they see you, you mentioned that you had gone to, I was watching one of your videos that you did in September. You already know probably where I'm going. You had attended a wedding, right? <laughs> and this wedding that you attended, uh, you mentioned how people uh, was feeling uncomfortable. You was uncomfortable with the greetings that they gave you. Yep. So how did that, tell me how did that, first of all, how did you come about even going to the wedding and, and the people that invited you, they didn't prepare you for, okay, this is what you're going to No, no. One of my friends just got married and uh, he invited me to, you know, to town in, in, in Texas. And then we, we went, you know, we went there and <laughs> I, I, you know, the, 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 my first greeting was the, the pastor asked me where I was from. I think he was expecting me to say a state in America. And I said, I was from Nigeria. And then he, uh, he, he clutched his wallet and then he he asked me if I was going to steal his uh his money and then uh it, it, and then he um just like he chuckled after when he saw that I was looking at him and then he said oh I'm just joking you know and you know, Nigerian have all these princes and stuff and then the the night went on we were having rehearsal dinners and then you know I, I gave my speech and then this older ladies or the white lady came up to me she, she congratulated me for being so well spoken and told me that it, it was it was good that i didn't have do-rags and earrings and, and braids or grills on my teeth and then um you know the music i, I didn't even know what you know I, I then this is the second incident i just thought ah oh, gosh i'm not i'm in a place where i don't think anyone knows me i have to really manage my anger right now because mm -hmm. you know I have to be able to find a good escape plan right, right, right. <laughs> in case that. And I also didn't want to put myself in a position where, you know, I was outnumbered. And then uh, the music, the music started to come on. I believe Drake was playing. And then, you know, people started saying the N word so casually, you know, you know, you, you stop pointing at you and I'm like, <sighs> so, so how, how was your guest with all this? The person, the person, that, they had no idea. Wow. They had no idea. This is what I was, I was talking about. And I, I'm, I'm, this is, you know, when I got into anti-racism and all these things, so many people, uh, in fact, those people didn't even think they were doing anything wrong. None of them. The pastor, the, the old lady, the people screaming. I was like, oh, it's in a song, it's in a song. And uh, it, it, I find that this happens across the world where people say all these interesting things and they were like, oh, you're, you're being too sensitive and all these things. But um, I remember feeling... So I was so angry on all sides. I was angry because why would they put me in this position? I was angry that they weren't aware of it. And I was angry at myself for not even lashing because I wanted to lash out. Right. But then I just you could hear my parents say, you got to be able to get back home safely. Get right. back right. home safely. Yeah. Get back home. And you're not even in the same country. My parents were, um, you know, in, in Nigeria or Vietnam at the time. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, <sighs> <laughs> this can't be like, well, what am I going to do here? Right, right. <laughs> and so I, I just, you know, I just took like those deep breaths that my parents usually, you know, tell me like, you know, cause I haven't started off at a dictatorship before we started realizing, you know, what it was like to be black in different parts of the world. You get a version of the talk earlier, mm -hmm. right? The first talk I mm -hmm. got was 
you can't say this stuff outside because that person is in power and then we're you're, you're from this tribe and if that person from that tribe hears you you can get in trouble and you could go to jail and so i was just processing all those moments uh but i you know i mean i'm not unique in that experience i'm sure you know many people listening to you know i've had yeah. those type of experiences growing up and you've had to make that internal decision <laughs> about whether you want to risk it all in this moment or suck it in for now right you, you pick <laughs> and then uh, at that point what can you win? yeah 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 so what what the cultural differences that you that you teach uh try to teach people what what do you tell people that are in business that are so, so there's a difference between dealing with race or cultural uh differences mm-hmm. or racism when you're in a small business atmosphere versus when you're in a corporate america atmosphere do you think they're the same and if they if they are, do you approach them the same way? Well, I mean, people make up these institutions, so it's it's the same. What I always tell institutions and businesses and schools is, if you don't check in your biases or how you see the world, if you're not even honest about that, you're going to bring that into the the office, and that doesn't matter if you're in a small business. I mean, I've been if any of those people, for example, that I just explained went to the workplace, it's not going to be strange for them to turn down. Uh, another black man with dreads mm-hmm. applying for a job because they will consider that man unprofessional. That doesn't matter if you're in a, uh, you know, small business or, a, you know, big corporate, you know, corporation. And so I always start with that idea of you, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to deal with how you came up with that conclusion. Right. You know, you, you, you don't, it, 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 people like to do the, I'm a good person versus I'm a bad person. And I'm always telling people that, you know, you can be a good person in a bad system and you can be a bad person in a good system. Right. It doesn't even matter unless you actually intentionally choose to to uh, work because the system's already set up against, uh, you know, a, a lot of black folks. If you go to any salon or any store, you know, if people are doing hair versus ethnic hair, you're already not seeing hair as the same, right? If you're doing food versus even with other cultures, like Asian, this food, this food. And I'm like, yeah, this is like the same. Why do we have to learn this food? Or if we do movies, you know, people say, oh, this is a black movie, it's a Hispanic movie, it's a Latinx movie, or it's a, you know, we've conditioned ourselves to just see one as a standard. Mm -hmm. And I'm always telling people, well, tell me what your standard is and what your norm is. And your standard could be beauty standards, right? Mm-hmm. Some people will say, right. oh, I just like light skin or, you know, that's, you know, then I'm like, well, why do you like it? Or like, you know, I just always thought it was beauty. But then where did it come from? You know, someone came for that. It could be, I don't know, society standards, professional standards. Right. And so for me, I start there. Okay. I have everyone really be honest with, with their baseline. And every one of us does this in some shape or form. It doesn't even have to be race, but we've... Right done some <laughs> something no one no one is perfect that's why i would say use a difference to make a difference but we need to change our relationship to that because if, if we're if we're only reacting because oh my gosh something happened we should do something probably so i don't get sued it's not going to be sustainable because when your son or daughter or kid comes up to you and says why is this wrong and you can't explain to them why it's wrong you only think you can only say oh well you know this person died we should probably do it that's not gonna make that kid understand and then grow into the person that could, you know, lead. Right. So that's where I start. And that doesn't matter with the size of the company. So do, do you believe that? So, so you, you've lived in uh, on uh, four different countries and five continents out of all the travel you've done. Do you think racism is the same uh, levels 
and all the places you've been always different in different places? I think the degrees are different. Uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of people participated in, in white supremacy in general, even in Nigeria is the largest black country black country in the world. Right. But it also has one of the largest bleaching populations in the world. That that doesn't even that's not necessarily racism. That's the idea of. So, I so need wait to a minute. Be, when you said bleaching, you meaning African people bleaching their skin? Yeah, bleaching skin as a beauty standard. You need to be light skinned to be, and it's it does not even if you look at India, you look at a lot of South Asian countries, mm -hmm. a lot of African countries. Where did that idea come from? Right. That, that that's that's a different that that's a different level of that. Someone has translated the idea of beauty means you need to be. Closer so to this country, would you blame for that? Because I have in my mind who I think would be. Oh, it's colon it's colonialism, colonialism, colonization. We were colonized by the by Great Britain. Other countries were colonized by you know whether it's Spain or you know some some people had Dutch colonies, some people you know Italy, it, it, whatever. All those colonies in eighteen in the late eighteen hundreds, Europeans came over to Africa to cover up the continent okay. and decide which one was the territory. The way that they ruled was divide and conquer, make each of these tribes that would never have been country hate each other mm. and give them a reason. And then dangle this, oh, if you do this, we'll give you this leadership position. That stuff still stayed when they left where, you know, you still have people saying that. I remember I was going on a date with someone who's a little lighter than me. Uh. And she said I was the limit because her, our, our kids will be ugly. And this is something her grandmother told her. And she's just a little lighter to me. But she's just like, yeah, you know, you, you, this is, you're like that, that, that last shade of black that I could <laughs> date again. Yeah. And so I couldn't even, she just said it so like, I thought like, I like, wait, what? And, but she was so like, you know, she just believed it. Right. So in different countries, you have stuff like that. Then you have a lot of the overt stuff. I mean, I've dealt with any number of things from, you know, whether it's law institution or getting questioned for living in the building you live in, that that, that happens often while working out, you know, uh, to <laughs> people you, hiding, hiding the kids in the elevator for me. <laughs> wait, 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 so this happens to you now? Oh, yeah. I mean, you sound surprised. <laughs> well, I'm thinking that it was so... So what you, right now you currently live where you you in where you I, I live in New York, but the the most recent one of someone hiding from me in the elevator was last year. Hiding from uh, you in the elevator. Yeah, it was, just, it was in the morning elevator. Um, I was going down to the gym. This was like November, I think. And I, you know, but I've been I, this. I you just know, you know, it was it was a woman. It's just like she was stuck to the corner of the elevator, and then at this point. You already trained. You don't want to escalate anything, so I just you know put my my air there. But but you know that's that's that. I mean, but so get this, so how how are you able to uh, functionally teach <laughs> cultural differences and racism and experience it uh, to the degree you have? I mean, so you you so let's just say you at um what used to be called, we just call Bell South because Bell South is not Bell South anymore as we know. So let's just assume you had a big Fortune 500 company, right? And they brought you in to speak. Yeah. You just got on the elevator yesterday to go to the gym and you've had an incident, but you get to corporate America to do your speech. How do you speak to a group of people that don't look like you, that you've seen fear you 
in your everyday life? How do you speak to them? What What do you say to them to try to convince them? I'm not gonna eat you up. And, you know, you're not hot sauce with yeah. gummies. I don't, what do you tell them? I never think it's my job to convince them. So they brought me. They're like, you know, we want you to talk about this. I'm. All, I, I found a way to highlight the problem. I'm not, you know, and I, and I have a style. I'll, I'll always be honest. That day when it happened, I had a I had to teach. I had a, a speaking thing, mm-hmm. and I brought it up. I said it was an example. I found a way to put it in an example because they were trying to figure out how not to be um, racist with housing. Okay. I was working on that. Okay. And I said, I'll just share a personal example right now. And, you know, I could see sometimes you, you get looks in the audience. You're like, ooh, why did he say that? And then sometimes you get people in the audience feeling you can see they feel a little guilt. And then sometimes you hear people nodding. My job is not to sugarcoat the truth. It's to highlight the truth and then say, but... I'm not here to call any of you out, but some of you know you've participated in what just happened. Here's what I want you to ask yourself when you're doing this, because you're looking at me as someone who is different from maybe a person you might have acted that way to. And you gave me some privilege because I don't know, I have a degree or I'm a speaker spoken here. Mm. If you break it down further, what if that person also you don't even know that person? What if you just acted that way for that person? What is the source of that? Because if you don't figure out, I always say, if you don't understand your triggers, you can't change your behavior. That's so the right. key to That's change right. behavior is saying triggers. So you have to be able to tell me what happened. Maybe some, you know, your parents told you, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, when I was in, I know a lot of people in the South don't like to consider Virginia the South. But when I was in Virginia, people, you know, I, it was like, you know, it's very, it's this very, very great. You know, they will tell you, no, this is a sin. You know, we do this. You're black. black. They have all these religious reasons for it, too. They have the societal reasons. Something happened to the grandparents. Um, and, you know, if you're not an athlete or into football there, at least for, for me, you know, they won't, they won't see you any different. And so when, when I used to have those conversations in Virginia, they'll, they'll go back to that. But there's never a real reason. <laughs> and so I was just telling you, you need to work on that. And so my job is to to provide th- that feedback. But it's very draining. I'm not going to. Yeah. I mean, it's a very draining process. I, I've been in therapy. I always encourage a lot of black people to do it, too, because it's it's it's, it's not always um, <laughs> it's frowned upon in, our, in a lot of our cultures. But right. I had to go to therapy so that I could manage my emotions. Um, I commend you for that because I'm probably not sure if I would have uh, chose therapy first over the, an action first and then therapy probably later uh, on for probably acting out. I've done action. I've made mistakes, but this, I'm not, I don't want the audience to think. I, I, learned from, I learned from an early age. I remember I was so angry as one of those, yeah, I was a teenager and I did something in this American National I just like slammed some. I don't know. I was just so angry because I played sports and then I, I saw the fear for the first time and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I they're afraid of me. Yeah, I'm, I can't. I can't just be wild and out here <laughs> because I, I was, you know, I was. I'm very energetic, and I just, I couldn't control it, um, and, and I didn't even know what I was doing. And then you learn quickly. You know, your parents start. They sit you down and they give you like, look, you're a little taller than these. <laughs> you can't just start doing this here. Uh, but I am switching that narrative a little bit because I do feel like I want us to be angry. I think I don't think angry is anger is necessarily a bad emotion. I okay. think we can figure out what to do with that. But okay. um, I I, uh, I had to unlearn that, though, because first we're like suppress your anger. Then I was like, no, I'm not going to suppress my anger. I'm just going to figure out how to use my anger that that works for me because I deserve to be angry. Right. Because you called <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I can't just like yell now. <laughs> right. So, 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 so you mentioned you went to, so, okay. So it's a two part question. Uh, we know about racism from other cultures, other cultures, yeah. well, other people that don't look like us. Right. What about the racism is, do you believe that we can be racist as black people, not to other cultures, but to each other? And the reason why I asked that question, because now I'm going to loop back around, not necessarily putting you on the spot. So you went to Lynchburg, right? School you went to, yeah. right? Why not an HBCU first? So my, when I first get, when I graduated from college, it was uh, no high school. It was I was in Nigeria. I graduated from high school in Nigeria, the boarding school. Mm-hmm. My my dad just got posted to Vietnam. Okay, and we were coming here. So, you know, any any Nigerian parent listening would understand this. He. It was very clear that we, we wouldn't I wouldn't stay in Vietnam long, like, you know, for better opportunity, I would say go to America or England. At least that's what we're, we're taught. And so they were a little nervous about sending me off. This would be like the, I was in boarding school, so they were used to that. But I was in the same country, but I was going to go to another continent without any of them. And so my dad went around and asked, hey, where can I send my my kid so that I wouldn't have to worry about him? And then, you know, they, they found this school liberty university they had curfew they didn't have co-ed dorms right you know you 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 couldn't do you couldn't wear like there was dress code and all these things and for him (laughs) that felt safe enough so we didn't the hbcus or any of that wasn't even in in in, and i thought it was just looking for us a a place for me not to lose myself because one of the biggest fears of diplomatic kids is that when you're interacting all these culture you forget where you where you come from because you you lose that they were like don't forget where you come from my parents always used to say that so that was why i mean it didn't I, it didn't even like so so yeah so, so i got this right so it, so from the culture in, in nigeria and it, it seems like it's not just because your your father may be a diplomat but is it the culture in nigeria to if your kid uh decides to go to to uh, pursue his education you're looking for safety and safety being one and the second would be uh to make sure you don't lose the your the values the values yeah Are they, do they yeah. think your your values won't be the same if they attended hbcu because it gets a bad rap or? no they didn't even know of it that's what i'm saying it wasn't in their i don't none of the hbcu conversation didn't happen because i didn't know of it they didn't know of it i wasn't you know i didn't grow up i didn't spend uh you know time in america to even know but I started discovering it when I was here, but in their head, their, their number one thing was that. And I will add to safety. You always want, they always want the kids to go to like the Harvard's or the, like the, because for them, that's less questions asked. Uh, okay. Yeah. If you go, if you show up to a job interview, and you say, I'm an Ivy league grad, they almost have to pay attention to you. <laughs> that's how they were processed. Cause remember they grew up with more dictatorships than I did okay. for them. Any opportunity is you take it now and distinguish yourself quickly yeah. so that you're, you're safe. They, they weren't thinking any of that, but if I'm sure if I grew up, you know, I spent my formative years in America, you know, we would have had that discussion, but, um, especially with the type of person I, I am, you know, I've been right. studying activism since I was 10. So, so, but yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, and I'm I'm hoping the, the listeners are really getting this because uh, it 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 helps me to understand and and makes me try to feel, uh, figure out a way or if to to um, to share the an, an HBCU experience outside of the United States more so people can understand. And, yeah, uh, and I guess that's where the, the misunderstanding of thinking. Well, there is a misunderstanding. 
don't like don't like black people because they feel like we won't interact. But you're saying we don't know nothing about HBCU and not in in those countries. Well, I mean, I, I, hope, I hope maybe now it's changed. I'm not going to pretend and say I, I'm just saying for me back in 2007, mm-hmm. six, seven, I, I hadn't honestly it it, it, it it had not crossed my mind. I hadn't done that. But I, I don't want to speak for the, the coach. I'm sure some people know because in HBCUs, there are a lot of Nigerian. Yeah. Um, this, yeah, people of Nigerian descent. Some of them may might have been born here. Mm. Some of them might, you know, you know. So there is that. But to the other question you had, I, 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 w- between us, one of my biggest uh, hopes for us is, is not is the infighting stops. Yes. I, I don't think that that's racism. I just think it's tribalism, or it's it, like we discussed earlier how colonialism happened. Mm-hmm. When we, you know, fight amongst ourselves or disparage ourselves based on. You know, sometimes I see uh, our black queens get harassed for not being light skin or to mm-hmm. being too dark skin. I, whatever it depends on whatever that is, it becomes um, an interesting discussion. Or even if you say something in a song or a lyric that becomes popular, but people start internalizing, but they don't know what it means, and then it becomes like a cultural thing. And now the people being affected are us. Right. It's, it's one of those things. And so um, my, my hope with that is that as we build the bridge between Africans and diaspora mm-hmm. and, and, and African-Americans here, we realize that there's more that we still have to learn about each other and there's more we can celebrate. That, that's always my, my goal with that. So, okay. yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I, I'm, man, that, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you answered the question because I was, I was starting to feel like okay. So now I, I went to the HBCU. You know, I always rep my HBCU. Of course, I, I went. I do. I went to Jackson State. So, but Jackson if, State. Okay. You, and if you like sports, you sh- you have to know about Jackson State because I do know about Jackson State. I mean, I, there's a big conversation about HBCUs in football. I mean, Deion Sanders is doing his thing right, right there, but people are still haven't. I have this question for you since so you talk about this because even amongst I've I've listened to enough conversations now. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are torn between, you know, whether, you know, African-American talent should pick a big school or go to HBCUs. And the biggest argument against it is the, the equipment and all this stuff and opportunity. OK. And so what do you think about that? Because on That's one hand, they're right. saying, you know, they're saying, hey, we want our kids to actually get the best. Well, are you trying to take that away from us? And then the other end, they're like, we need someone to pick us. OK, so but it's not. Here, the so it's kind of it's kind of a trickling effect. And, and there's a couple of sports people here at the studio now that's probably listening to this. So if I choose to go to Ole Miss, so everybody's familiar with Ole Miss, right? I choose mm-hmm. to go to Ole Miss, and I have 12 other siblings behind me. And we all took our parents' money and sent it over to Ole Miss, or our talents and skills and sent it over to Ole Miss, and left Jackson State, Alcorn, and the rest of them behind. We're not giving back to grow our own community because we keep giving mm. our talents and stuff. And our reasoning is that we don't have the proper equipment. But mm. if I take my talents and I become a number one star in the NFL, now I've created some conversation to now start getting money fed back into my university. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I can start doing things because I've taken, because that's what's happening at, at uh, Alabama and all those kind of places. Yes. They're just so well recognized because they've taken their talents. And people investing in in their notoriety, but and some of those talents are coming from people that look like me, 
and feeding it to Auburn and, and Alabama and all those places. So they get the best advertising. They get the best promotions. Some of the bigger companies promote them and advertise them. And HBCU get, don't get anything because we can't get those talents and skills fed back into our university. So it has to start changing somewhere so we can start uh, being recognized and being getting the same financial benefits that other schools are getting. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You know, trickle down effect, like you said. Down effect, it's, it's, and, and that's the reason why racism has it hurts so bad on so many different levels. Yeah, you know, it's not just you don't like me because my hair is long or yeah, I got dress or whatever. You the your, system, it, right? The system, it really hurts me. Even down to being in business, small yeah. businessman try to go to to get a bank, a loan from a bank. Mm-hmm. You can have a seven hundred and eighty credit score but you have so many different things that you have to hurt you have to go over so that's that that would be uh to me that i think racism just it it just hurts us on so many different levels not just education wise uh financial rise and financially and then just living everyday life so that's why i applaud the way you do it what what you do i probably would need counseling too because if i went and had to speak against looking at all these people because even working in corporate America, I used to work in corporate America, and man, tell the, the, the hardest. Thing I used to, to too. <laughs> sit in some of those meetings and watch a person that came in. I, I just watched this new guy start. I've been here already. Yeah. And how did he get a corporate job, get a promotion before me? And he, and you made me train him, by the way. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So then to, to to have to do, and then so now they come up with diversity diversity cultural classes or courses that you have to take cultural diversity yeah. and what we didn't see before was people like you teaching those courses so that's been a little a little a little change yeah we still have a long way to go though because i i you know i was i saw this shift happen a little bit after the murder of george floyd mm-hmm. and you know before people would you know it would say hey you should come speak and i and i'll be like you know, I, you know, I'm not going to solve anything in one day. Right. Like, right, it's right. not that you're like, oh, no, no, don't worry. It's just, you know, it's just by we, you know, we're working on it and we don't have any budget. And then I think there was a lot of pushback after George Floyd. And I'm hoping it stays this way because I really want people to do it because they feel like they need to, not because they have to. But then you're like, you need to make it more systemic. You need to put it in this because to your point, many people look at racism as only a personal thing, right. but they don't understand the. The, the the like you said the systemic way it leads to so much access and opportunity it can affect a whole area you know schools right. are based on zip codes for example so if right. you live in this zip code you, you're not gaining you're not gaining all these textbooks and all these things and then is that if you can't secure a loan all that and then uh there are many groups that get afforded the opportunity to fail continuously Mm. Even let's look at the NFL. Oh yeah, you know oh, the NFL God. is mostly black. We don't have we don't have the, the 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 same ratio of black players as we have black coaches. Right. But a lot of the coaches that are white get to fail upward. Right. If someone, this is why my parents had that mindset. By the way, when I was mm. saying they, they were trying to send me there, mm. and I always something I've learned to fight and unlearn is it's okay to fail, right? Or like, it's okay to be angry, right, right. but we can't do it amongst ourselves where we now say, because that black person mm. failed, we need to like mm. drag this person. <laughs> and you know, because they, everybody else gets to do it, right? Everybody right, else right. gets to come back up and that's the way anything builds. And so if they have that scarcity mindset, we have that scarcity mindset amongst ourselves, 
what we're feeding the system as it is, you know? What would you suggest people do to live, to live above racism or something you think we could do to, uh, and I say, I can't say cure racism. I don't know if that's yeah. the right thing to look at. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's just say live above racism. Because I have in my mind a way that I think we could do it. And I want to hear what your way is. And then I want to ask you about a podcast you did. You said uh, it was your 100 YouTube episode. And it said it was called Keeping It 100. So I Oh, my, that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I saw your very ago. first YouTube versus your YouTube now. It's, the thing that I'm just honored is, is the fact that because you've done so much and you have so much to offer with your books and your courses and you've traveled the world and you've been on so yeah. many different platforms to take the time out to be on my show. And you didn't look and say, okay, you ain't, you ain't got but 300 followers. You didn't do that. You just like, yeah, let me, let me share my knowledge. And that doesn't happen in our arena often, even with people that look like us, especially they want to say, okay, well, what am I going to get out of this? Now, first they don't yeah. know all the things I'm doing, but you've researched me already. Before. Yeah. You just answered the question, by the way, that was my answer. That's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. We need to do that to ourselves to, to be able to, if to live above this and live beyond this and that we need to identify the same opportunities that other groups have. Mm-hmm. And so if someone says, Hey, I'm on, you know, I've just started a business. I'd love, you know, to get your thoughts on it. If you can, by the way, I, cause sometimes people can stretch it and then they can overdo it. I, I don't I want to leave space for that. Right. But if there is an opportunity for you to do that, Take on that role to mentor or the opportunity to share your, your stuff. If there's a small business in your area, you know, and you have a platform, just say, hey, you know, I, I really enjoyed, you know, this Jamaican meal. It's, it's really interesting because it got me thinking about the culture. Now I want to go to, you know, Kingston and all. It, it was just something like that. If you have a platform, we need to recognize the influence that comes with us because, you know, black culture is universal at this point, right? You know, it's safe to hip hop and all these mm-hmm. things. And if we start having this little mindset where oh, I'm going to start to ingratiate a lot of the, the different things, you know, this is a, this is this, like, I have a lot of black art in my room for or yeah, my house. For example. So, yeah. So like, Oh yeah, this is an art piece that represents part of my Yoruba culture and be like, Oh my God. So, oh my gosh. So that's what we need to start thinking of ourselves as we are, change makers we are thought leaders and we need to have an ownership mindset okay where we understand that our word is bond right Right. it really matters someone is looking at us right you know so that's how i've I've always tried to approach it i have a long way to go but for me i had to unlearn the same thing because i used to wait before i mean i had 85 job rejections when i graduated because they said uh you know i'm not a citizen you're a nigerian whatever all these things and then it wasn't until I got into a car accident in 2012 that I almost lost my life that I really realized, you know, I have to start just living now and doing whatever I can for my own community. And then, you know, eventually it goes and it grows and it grows if it does. But even if I impact someone that has a bigger platform, I have to feel more comfortable with that. So that's what I, I always see it like that. I like your promo that you have where it says, uh, uh, imagine a person graduate from college at the top of his class and then going down and then trying to come back up. I like that program yeah. that, that you do. And I guess you're talking about the car accident at the time. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. But I, the reason I even put that out is I did everything I was supposed to do. Right. My parents put me here to go get a degree in America okay. and do well. I did it. I didn't get the job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't get everything. And then I eventually got one job and I hated it. 
It wasn't even me. I was doing something that I thought my parents wanted to do, but then I was losing myself in, in the essence. And I like, I was like afraid to dream until the accident. But wow. you know, I wanted to do more of these things that, that I'm doing, but I had to fail. This is what I keep saying. We have to give ourselves permission. I got fired twice. I was broke. I had to like fail so that I wouldn't be protected from growing, you know, but there's no one that grows without failure or pain, but right. we have to change that relationship with us where we're not shaming or demonizing, you know, mm -hmm. anyone like, Oh, we give that person one shot and that's the end of it. Right. You know, you ruined it for all of us. Right, right, I, right. I, I, how can you, who, which white person you say is ruins it for all white people? Whenever you <laughs> never say that. No, we never no. say this person is ruined. Well, uh, this movie, this this movie didn't do well in the box office, so we're never gonna invest another movie with a predominantly white cast. I've never heard that, but it happens, you know, you for know, any uh, other. They, there's there's been a race of people that have had a bad leader here in the United States, and they still support him. There you go. Nah, so I don't what, know how what, much worse it could get. I mean, you've been you've been uh, accused of like hundreds of things, and our former president Barack Obama didn't have not one issue the whole time he was in office. And you know the sad thing about that, I had more people that looked like me that was complaining about him. Hmm. He didn't do oh, anything. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then the president that followed him. That you see doing things, but you but you still say, oh, but he's still a good this. But you couldn't give that same uh, appreciation for someone that looks like you that actually did the work. I did the work, and you still don't want to give me credit, you know. So, um, so here's my thing for racism. I think we can. This is how I think we can elevate above it. The United States itself and other countries uh, and other places seem to to uh, control people by what they perceive. Is success hmm. or what's happening or what makes you who you are. And it's usually a material based type thing or a look. If you can learn to live above, this is me. Your money does not make me. My skin color doesn't make me who you think I am. And you don't have to have um, all of the brands that people think you need, like all the different brands that did to make you who you are. If you can <laughs> live above all those, you won't have no problem. That's how you, to me, in my mind, you escape, you escape racism because I don't have to have all your stuff that you think is going to make me who I am. Uh, you don't want me to ride. I don't have to ride your bus. I, I have another option. So it doesn't matter you don't want me on your bus. I, you don't want me at your restaurant. I got a problem with that. If we just start saying no to what you think I have to have to make me, then that's how you get, in my mind, above racism. I loved it. I love it. I, mean, I love it. So, yeah. We have more power than we give ourselves credit for. A whole lot more power. And we, and we have a lot of talent, which takes we me back do. to why we're taking our talents to some place that after you uh, give it, you fight for it. All you, goes back. All goes back. <laughs> and then turn around. You go to, I went to your school and now you don't want to give me a job. I did everything. Uh, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. All right, man. I really, really, really sure appreciate this. Now, you know, I have to bring you back because we've talked about cultural stuff. You didn't get too much into the business aspect of it, which I really wanted to. So uh, I hope that you'll come back again. Uh, I want people yeah. uh, to make sure they, uh, you can tell them your website, your social media, so they can definitely find the book. Sure. So let them know where they can find your stuff. So my uh, website is tyroxon.com. So T-A-Y-O-R-O-C-K-S-O-N.com. And 
uh, if you search Ty Rocks, and that's all my social media handles. So Instagram, TikTok, you know, uh, LinkedIn, Ty Rocks. And podcast is called As Told by Nomads. I bring on people from different parts of the world to just share ideas. So everyone uh, in different parts of the world, sometimes it's business, sometimes it's cultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my book is called Use Your Difference to Make a Difference. So, you know, cop your yeah. copies. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna make sure that I definitely get a copy of that. And I'm gonna keep these notes because when you come back again, I still got like a page of stuff, man. I gotta get you for okay. next time. We've already covered your hot sauce habits and stuff. <laughs> I see you have a Lakers jersey back there. So who's your- It's a LeBron jersey. I'm a LeBron. <laughs> I have a lot of LeBron. Look, on the other side is Cleveland, Miami. This- yeah, I see you got a crown with, uh, with, the, with the painting. Is that supposed to be LeBron? No, so <laughs> like, I, I mean LeBron is king, but we're all kings and queens. I t- you know I call my students and everyone in my life kings, queens, and royalties. So mm-hmm. kings, queen, and royalty rather. And I want us to we talk about redefining narrative. Yeah, this is where we come from. Uh, but yes, I have a that's a a crown for my culture, Yoruba culture. Okay. Uh, I'm from the Yoruba tribe, and it's it's beaded. It's a beaded crown. Uh, the birds is like a connection to spirituality, but um, I, you know, I just like the, the older I get, the more intentional I am about sharing all these elements of, of of who I am, and hopefully, other people find themselves in the stories too. What's with all the shoes in the background? I was like, I see. Uh, the shoe up there. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah, you see. Of course, it's LeBron. <laughs> yeah, you said you look like my mom right there. My mom was like, "Why, why are you like this guy?" <laughs> yeah, people have their own things. All right, yeah, I like art. I like basketball. I'm a huge LeBron fan. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, hot yeah. sauce. You like hot sauce. <laughs> gummies, which I collect yeah. this too. I, yeah. I, yeah. So I'm gonna tell you, that I, I won't call out no names, but when people hear LeBron's, uh, there's a few uh, people in the studio that's not. Really of course, yeah. There's and Jordan so, fans. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Jordan fans. Yeah. I, now you know. You know. I want you to. Uh, I'll call you uh, offline to uh, work with my kids. We oh, kids thing. Uh, so we'll oh, okay. All right. All right, man. Thank right, you so man, much for, so much for being a guest on the show. Guest on the show. I appreciate you, I appreciate and you. I will get in contact with you. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for that. I'm about to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Let's just uh, start. You know, start the conversation, start the project, and don't let not starting be the reason you didn't succeed. Enter a space where you can dream free and start or continue your journey. Located in a building and street full of history, I challenge you. I challenge you to start. You see the vibes. No worries. With our space and your imagination, the possibilities are endless. Having a comfortable space for your podcast, film, or any other production is the first step to you starting and always remember to dream create and then do it all over again